Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Friday, December 29th, 2023. Mark Daly here and this is take number three. Completely rusty, haven't done this for a couple of weeks it seems. Every time Mark and I tried to sit down and do the podcast in the month of December, somebody was busy with work or family commitments, or we just got sick and then the holidays came along. And I, I realized in my first couple of takes, uh, well, first of all, I, I messed up the first one a couple of minutes into it. I thought I'd start over again. And then I messed up again. And then I realized I had the wrong device selected and I was using the, the wrong microphone. So I'm trying to shake off the rust here. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do this because I don't have Hammy here by my side tonight because uh, I was sick last week and managed to perk up just in time to drag myself to the dinner table and enjoy a, a nice festive turkey dinner for Christmas. And uh, certainly last couple of days, I've been back to my normal self and I was talking with Mark last night and he said, yeah, we're good to go. We'll do the show on Thursday and get a text with him uh, from him this morning. He's like, buddy, you just got to go on and do this one yourself. I'm so sick right now. I'm like, don't worry, Hammy. I got this one and I feel like I'm letting him down <laughs> not even a minute or two into this thing after a number of uh, aborted tries here and return to the pits and take a look at the data and well there's no data to look at I just kind of sucked for those first couple of tries anyways uh, before we get into the thick of things just want to wish one and all uh, happy holidays a um, little bit uh, belated but uh, I've been around the last couple of uh, pods uh, to, to wish everybody in advance so many wonderful traditions and festivities and holidays going on and I hope uh, wherever you are listening to the podcast that you've been enjoy able to enjoy the holidays uh, with you and yours. And uh, in advance, I'd like to wish, and on behalf of Mr. Mark Hamilton, I'd like to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2024. So I'm not going to dilly-dally any longer. I've uh, already had a couple of failed attempts at this, so I'm just going to jump right into it. First of all, I want to give a shout-out to Magnus and the crew at the Race Weekend Magazine. That's R-A-C-E-W-K-N-D.com. Enter in our promo code ScuderiaPod at Chow and receive a 10% discount on a one-year subscription. Also, big uh, shout-out to Tease and the crew at RacingExclusives.com. Uh, they gave us a wonderful half-scale autographed uh, Max Verstappen helmet to our winter of fan fantasy um, Formula 1 this uh, this year, which was uh, Michael Cronier. Michael, Hammy's been meaning to put that in the mail. It is ready to ship. It will be along the way. He uh, extends many apologies and a mea culpa. It, uh, we certainly have it. He took it away from me. He wouldn't, let me, he wouldn't even let me look at it, but it's all ready to uh, go in the post. And I was just hanging on to it just to get past uh, some of the, the busy part of the holidays here. So you'll receive that uh, very, very soon. So a couple of other things here. We have just 47 days until the first reveal of 2024. 
And that is a Ferrari who are set to reveal their uh, contender for 2024 on February 14th, 55 days until winter testing, which will go from February 21st to 23rd in Bahrain, 65 days until the first race of 2024, which is Bahrain on March 2nd. And then, uh, well, Bron, the Impossible Formula One Story review episode, that's coming very soon. I hope you've all had a chance to, to check that out. Those of you that have access uh, to watch on Disney+, Plus, the Gran Turismo movie review episode is coming soon. And thanks to Colleanne Soren Priestley for the recommendation. And then the F1 fashion show is coming soon with Micah Boyce and Hammy. Hammy, you didn't tell me you were going to do this one, but it's all good. Uh, just <laughs> another episode kind of snuck in here. That I had no idea that Mark was planning to do uh, on his own with uh, with Micah, but that should be uh, pretty good uh, as well. Anyways, um, Hammy dug up a couple of uh, fun stats here along the way. Time penalties per, per driver in 2023. So Danny Ricardo was the only driver that did not incur a single penalty last season. There's a number of drivers, including Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, Liam Lawson, Max Verstappen, Oscar Piastri, and Bottas and Joe Guan Yu, the two Alfa Romeo drivers that had a single penalty each in those range from anything pit lane speeding unsportsmanlike uh, behavior impeding in the spit lane hit lane spit lane what am i talking about pit lane forcing another driver off the track if you guessed uh, max verstappen getting that one you were correct oscar piastri for leaving the track multiple times and both of the alpha drivers were penalized for causing a collision and you go down the the list you have uh, drivers like fernando k mag at a couple of penalties each lewis and george hamilton or sorry george russell had a couple well three penalties apiece as uh, as did lance stroll and they get down into the Alex Albons, the Yuki Sonodas, and Lo- uh, Logan Sargent's had uh, five penalties each. The you know, Pierre Gasly with six. He had one pit lane speeding, and the rest were all leaving the track multiple times. Esteban Alcon is at the wrong end of the scale, who had multiple penalties. He had eight over the course of the season. The season, um, pit lane speeding. Uh, let's see, what else did he have? Leaving the track multiple times. Incorrect starting location, inaccurate start position. Then we also had a failure to serve a time penalty. And the last one was an unsafe release. And the only other driver that had, uh, you know, that sort of shameful stat to his name was uh, Sergio Perez, who also had a pit lane speeding. A couple of leaving the track multiple times, a couple of causing collisions and overtaking under safety car conditions. So there's uh, some uh, interesting ones there. And the only person that was uh, completely consistent who had multiple penalties was Alex Albon, who was uh, penalized five times, and all of his penalties were due to leaving the track multiple times. So uh, there you go. So the uh, Max Verstappen was the driver's driver of the year. So he uh, was number one. Number two was uh, Lewis Hamilton, who rose up a spot from the previous year. Fernando Alonso was third. Lando Norris was fourth. Charles Leclerc was fifth, who dropped three spots. All the other ones, uh, Norris, Fernando, and Hamilton, all uh, rose up in the ranks. Fernando rose three spots over 2022. Uh, Charles uh, dropping down three spots. Carlos Sainz rose a, a place up to, to six. Alex Albon uh, rose up to seventh. Oscar Piastri finished uh, in eighth, and he, was, of course, was a, a new entry. And Pierre Gasly finished ninth. And then Sergio Perez was in a P10, dropping uh, two points. So here's a, a cool one that comes uh, courtesy of Formula One and Pirelli. The total kilometers per tire compound over the course of the entire year. The C1 uh, logged 16,518.5 kilometers. The C2 logged 44,444 kilometers. I'm kind of rounding up to the nearest 
half kilometer here. The C3, the most popular tire compound of the entire 2023 season, 105, 499 kilometers right on the nose. The C4, the second most popular tire, 79,126 kilometers. The C5, 39,000 kilometers, uh, 39 thousand and ninety one kilometers pardon me the intermediates logged seventeen thousand four hundred seventy five kilometers the full-on wet tires one thousand nine hundred and sixty kilometers and then prototype uh, tire compounds three thousand eight hundred and twelve uh, kilometers so that's uh, pretty cool to see some of those but the c3 that middle of the range compound boy did that seem a lot of work 105 thousand kilometers that's absolutely uh, amazing for the course of an entire season I'm going to jump into to some of the news now here. So uh, news, uh, this comes uh, courtesy of uh, Andrew Benson, chief uh, writer over, uh, chief F1 writer, pardon me, over at the BBC.com. Uh, just, uh, you know, discussing the news that Steve Nielsen, the FI's former sporting director, quit after just a year on the job. And uh, Andrew Benson is definitely speculating in the in the correct manner when he believes that uh, this is going to be an unpopular move uh, up and down the, uh, the, the, the paddock. So uh, Nielsen was uh, appointed in January 2023, and his mandate was to improve the FIA's race control operations after, well, there's been plenty of controversies in uh, recent years. No need to go over them all, but there's been quite, uh, you know, there's been several of them. There was no reason that's been given um, for his departure, but uh, a lot of sources close to the, the this story say that he was unhappy with several parts of his role. Uh, Nielsen uh, was unavailable for comment uh, when uh, BBC Sports uh, reached out to you know, get a little bit more, uh, you know, what was going on. Um, anyways, um, BBC Sports uh, did find out from uh, some unnamed sources that uh, Nielsen felt that the FIA was not willing to make the changes he he really felt were required to make its race control operations fit uh, for the purpose. And then um, the teams and drivers all back Nielsen's uh, move to the FIA. And uh, as I said earlier, they are likely to be very disappointed and upset about that. So um, at the Belgian Grand Prix earlier this year, uh, Mercedes driver George Russell, who's also the director of the Grand Prix Drivers Association, the GPDA, said uh, Nielsen was a really great addition to the FIA's operations team. And uh, this is uh, the the second fairly high-profile uh, dismissal or departure from, I would say it was a dismissal, but definitely a departure from the, uh, the FIA in the last uh, number of weeks. And uh, this is uh, the second uh, senior role. Uh, because on uh, 13th of December, Deborah Meyer resigned from her position as the head of the FIA's Commission for Women. And, uh, well, not surprisingly, but the FIA did not respond to a request to comment uh, by the BBC on the, either the subject of uh, Nielsen or Meyer. But uh, this is, um, you know, just the latest in, uh, you know, different uh, stories and negative press uh, surrounding FIA President Mohammed Ben Suleim. And he's really been caught up in a, a you know a number of controversies since he was uh, elected just uh, two years ago in twenty December of twenty twenty one. Earlier this month, we'll talk about this in a moment. The FA launched a compliance uh, investigation into the Mercedes Formula One team principal Total Wolf and his wife Susie Wolf, who's the F one Academy director. Uh, and this was uh, purely on the basis of quote media speculation centered on the allegation of information of a confidential nature being passed to F one team principal from a member of FOM personnel, end quote. Uh, you know, Mercedes and Formula One put out some pretty strongly worded statements that, uh, you know, basically debunked this and blew it out of the water. 
then uh, an identically worded and coordinated statement from all of Mercedes rivals teams said they had made no such complaints about this happening. And then very suddenly two days later, the FIA put out a second statement saying that the, the, the inquiry had been concluded and that was uh, basically it. Um, so Nielsen was uh, going back uh, to, to, to Steve Nielsen here. He was, uh, uh, pardon me, I just lost my spot here. He uh, was uh, appointed to restructure the FIA, FIA's F1 operations, which uh, named uh, Nicholas uh, Tombasis as a single-seater director. And uh, Tobasis, who was uh, previously the FIS F1 technical director, was uh, Nielsen's immediate uh, boss. So Nielsen joined the FIA after a long uh, career in motorsports, and uh, he is basically a very well-respected uh, person in the sport. He'd been sporting director of Tyrrell, Benetton, Renault, and Williams before he uh, joined uh, the commercial rights holder in uh, 2017. And then um, this is following uh, Liberty Media's uh, takeover, and uh, which he held the same uh, job title. And he was record uh, he was recruited, pardon me, by former managing director Ross Braun and President Stefano Domenicali. And uh, among uh, you know Nielsen's um, uh, achievements was helping to organize the 2020 season right in the middle of the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Formula One was absolutely the first big name sport international sport to, to resume activities during the pandemic and uh you know if you kind of go back to july 2020 wow what uh, a different time that was almost well three and two and a half years ago and it certainly was a was a bright spot for a lot of us once they got uh, that up and uh, running so interesting uh, news there just uh, wanted to follow the up uh, with um just kind of move on to an adjacent story here um, just uh, talking about uh, Total Wolf. So uh, Mercedes, uh, and this is a story that comes uh, from Matt Q over motorsport.com. Uh, so Wolf said Mercedes must not give up on recovery before a Formula One's 2026 uh, rules reset. And um, they're trying to recover, obviously, their their way and uh, get back up to the top of Formula One before the big change to the rules that it's going to come for 2026, which we don't know what's going to happen, right? It could uh, completely flip everything on its head. It could be all the, the same. We just don't know. Um, but uh, there's a lot of work that uh, has, um, you know, that uh, the Mercedes has to to do because they certainly are not the team that they have been for uh, full on a decade uh, over the last uh, couple of years since uh, the end of 2021. And uh, they did, um, you know, in the middle of, well, not in the middle of uh, last season, but uh, fairly early on the 2023 season, decided to finally uh, get rid of this, uh, you know, the the zero side pod uh, concept, and then went to a, a plan B. Uh, a plan B. Um, so they have been playing catch up. They got a lot of work to do. We've seen them recover. I mean, they did uh, eventually finish second in the. Um, in the constructors uh, last year, but uh, Total Wolf uh, decided to, uh, well, decided to re- uh, reveal a little bit more an exclusive interview with motorsport.com. He said, quote, I don't want to give up on the recovery and say, well, let's wait for the 2026 new car, new engine. There is two more important years to go. I want to see it as a testament for the strengths of the team that we are capable to recover a race for championships. That's our clear objective, end quote. So, well, a lot of work uh, for for them to do. Um, when you look at, uh, it's a different world now than when uh, Mercedes uh, rose to the top of Formula One back in 2014, when they really took the sport uh, by by storm and did not relinquish that uh, for many many years until uh, Max won his first championship in 2021. 
and Red Bull have really consolidated and solidified their position at the top of F1 over the you know the the, the ensuing two seasons. Anyways, uh, Wolf went on to say in this uh, motorsport.com interview, quote, looking at the odds, very difficult, looking at the performances of other teams, how Aston Martin has done over the winter from 2022 into 2023. McLaren recovered a second with an upgrade they expected to come in at 0.25 seconds. There's a sweet spot that you need to find and that unlocks more potential. I think the biggest contributor is that the drivers start to have a car that they can trust, which they can at the moment with the outgoing Mercedes W14. End quote. So that that is very true. I mean, uh, they, they, you know, both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton have struggled with that car over time. Lewis uh, has been a little bit more conservative and hasn't really, um, you know, thrown, uh, you know, hasn't been too positive about it. But Lewis tends to be a little bit more guarded in, in statements like this. And uh, Lewis had the following to say, quote, I do believe we have a North Star now, which I didn't think we've had for two years. But getting there is still not a straight line. I think we understand the car so much better. We have developed a great tools in the background. So naturally, I'm hopeful for 2024, but I'm not going to hold my breath. We will see. It is a cost cap world. It's certainly a much different uh, place than uh, when Mercedes were on top uh, during their their glory days in the previous uh, decade, well, prior to 2021. But uh, this is a team, you, you can never count them out. I mean, look at what they've achieved during that time. And I know cost cap is a little bit different, but at least in the past, whenever they were faced with adversity, they certainly were able to to go back, go back to the factory, and uh, find a way to work their or engineer their way around the the, the the problem. I still think that teams can do that. I mean, McLaren certainly uh, proved that uh, last year. Although now in the cost cap world, you can't uh, necessarily spend your way out of a problem. So I think that uh, for Mercedes, uh, for example, it, that uh, they'll they'll get it done, but it'll take a lot lot longer. And then of course, you know, you have the the unknown of what are the Ferraris going to do, what are the Aston Martins going to do. Where the Red Bull, uh, Red Bulls of the world, going to do all those other competitive rivals that they have around them? That uh, certainly Mercedes can improve, but how are they improving uh, compared to all of their their rivals? All right, uh, let's uh, take a, another story here. So I'll do my best with this one because this comes from uh, Formula One Punt Uno, and that is an Italian uh, website. The translation is F1 2024 cars more and more similar, but the concept is developable and with still high potential. So not the greatest uh, transition. Hey, give me Dutch, German, even French, and a little bit of Spanish. I can kind of like wade my way through there, but I have to kind of like rely on the, the translator tool on this one. And it doesn't uh, sound uh, all that uh, great. There is an interesting quote here that comes from uh, Adrian Newey. And uh, I'll I'll read this one, and uh, you know, apologies uh, for for Adrian for translate the the translated quote, which may or may not be one hundred percent accurate to his English original uh, quote or the the quote that uh, he made in English uh, that was picked up by Formula Punduno. Anyways, knew uh, he had the following to say: "Quote what made the last major regulatory change in two thousand nine stand out." is that it was no longer restrictive. The new regulations for 2021, on the other hand, are well as very prescriptive, meaning I think that uh, that uh, it was very defined as, uh, of what it was because he goes on to say, this uh, is a shame because we'll make all the cars the same, which is not what F1 should uh, become. Whereas back in, uh, end quote, and uh, back in 2009, that uh, it was more of a spec, well, more of a, um, uh, the designers were uh, free to do, uh, you know, design the cars uh, that they wanted to. Um, 
the difference, of course, in what we've seen over the past couple of years when this uh, new formula launched in 2022, that Red Bull were the clear leader in this uh, new formula. Ferrari couldn't keep up. Mercedes couldn't keep up. We've seen other teams kind of look a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say a little bit more than interested. Some teams have been able to close the gap and kind of stay there for a little bit. We, we've looked at McLaren, who improved markedly in the second half of last year. Well, actually, before even we reached the, the summer break, once we got to, to Austria at the beginning of July, they recovered nearly or improved nearly a second. You know, it was about three quarters, 0.85 of a second with, um, you know, some of the improvements that they made. We'll talk about that uh, story in a little bit uh, here, but uh, just uh, amazing that uh, that they were able to do it. But Ferrari and uh, Mercedes have kind of struggled to, to do that with the the different concepts that they they've tried. Ferrari, of course, parted ways with uh, Mattia Bonato, and you know it's just been a bit of a struggle watching them and just to seeing whether or not they've been able to to, to make the improvements you know, off the track and on the track and on the pit wall. So that's always a, a bit of a challenge, and certainly been very very frustrating to see that you know neither mercedes or ferrari have been able to to really make a meaningful challenge to red bull in the last uh, couple of seasons um so you know take that one for for what it's worth you know these uh, translated ones is a, a little bit uh, kind of interesting but uh, basically the um, uh we'll take a look at this one here so red bull's dominance according to this uh, this article here that uh, i can't even figure out who to attribute uh, this one to on uh, formula punduno um was um you know attributed to the fact that uh, the aerodynamic concept that was you know, decided upon as uh, the way forward by adrian Newey and his team was the 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 uh, design concept that had the greatest uh, potential, uh, you know, compared to uh, Ferrari and uh, Mercedes, which uh, they, they gave a lot of faith to their different aerodynamic uh, concept. Mercedes, of course, had zero side pod concept, uh, which didn't work, and which they ditched at the beginning of last year on the W14, and then went with their plan B about a quarter of the way through the, se- uh, the season. Um, they were good with the low cl- ground clearances, but uh, were very sensitive uh, to the... Um, you know the the you know ground clearance and then uh, porpoising and things like that. So very very uh, you know a lot of work to be done. Anyways, I'm just going to pause here. I'm going to go back to an article that's a little bit easier to translate here, and I'm going to stay with uh, with Red Bull and Adrian Newey. Do that in just a moment after we pause for a short break from uh, for a word from our sponsors. So don't go away. We will be back in just a moment. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Final Scootery F1 podcast for 2023 as we slowly wind down here to the last couple of uh, days of the year. Uh, just sticking uh, with uh, Red Bull and Adrian Newey. A story here from Philip Clearin over at motorsport.com entitled Newey Not Planning on Walking Away from Red Bull F1. So he said he's not uh, considering stepping away from Formula One for the foreseeable uh, future. Newey uh, just uh, is uh, celebrating or just uh, celebrated his 65th birthday on December 26th on Boxing Day has been uh, credited as being one of the, or the essential part of turning Red Bull into a championship uh, contender and winner since he arrived there in 2006, which, wow, that that kind of, uh, I, I just sort of read that and <laughs> kind of had this very sobering moment, uh, just to thought to myself, has he really been there for 2006? He's been at Red Bull as long as I've been married. <laughs> that is a, an incredible uh, statistic. Anyways, he uh, made his name in Formula One uh, with his uh, first technical director role at Leighton House, moved on to Williams and then McLaren, and uh, helped design cars or design cars that won a combined six constructors' titles and six drivers' t- titles. And then he was um, was uh, was lured away from McLaren by uh, Christian Horner at Red Bull, and then uh, Newey's uh, cars that went on to win um you know the uh, titles in 2010 11 12 and 13th and then uh, again uh, in 2022 and 2023 with the uh, introduction of the 2020 or the, the ground effect uh, cars and of course well you know max winning in 2021 so he's been much less involved in the the day-to-day work and design than he has been uh, in in the past he's um, been given uh, the opportunity to pursue other passions and other projects and uh, continues to to be a huge asset and has uh, said uh, straight up that he's has no intention of leaving formula one just yet and uh, signed uh, a new deal with uh, red bull early this year uh, when he was uh, asked uh, an interview by motorsport.com he asked if he uh, was uh, enjoys being part of uh, red bull he said quote absolutely when i joined williams and mclaren they were two great teams that had won races and championships way before i ever arrived there was very little required on the infrastructure t- side. It was just really hopefully just trying to get bring a bit on the design side. Whereas that's why I really joined Red Bull. It was a bit of a career risk at the time, but I just wanted to have that sort of involvement again of being involved with the development of a team right at the start. Uh, in that sense, having been install, uh, involved in the start with Christian and Helmut Marco, how we developed the team, then why would I want to walk away from that? End quote. So absolutely, I mean, what an opportunity he had to to go and really establish himself. I mean, he was a very established uh, designer, but he makes a good point that the infrastructure and all the facilities in place uh, at, at Williams and McLaren during his uh, his reign, and also the design team, but having the opportunity to go and be a part of something that was being built from the, the, the ground up, like, why could you not? I mean, he really has cemented his reputation as one of the best designers of all time in Formula One. So he went on to say that that when uh, in 2014, when Mercedes became the big force in Formula One and the you know the introduction of the turbo hybrids uh, engine series, 
and Red Bull was stuck, you know, basically in third place was the, the, the only point that he actually thought about uh, walking away. I mean, if you go back like uh, 10 years now, <laughs> this is a little bit hard to believe, but even in 2014, when we got to the turbo hybrid era, I mean, Christian Horner, right, even then, uh, you know, it was pretty obvious that, that Mercedes and Ferrari, I mean, Mercedes were light years ahead of everybody else, but uh, Ferrari were the the, the second and uh, the uh, the competitive order at that time. Red Bull were third, but were considerably distanced uh, from the the other two. But you know, very interesting uh, revelation here from uh, Adrian Newey saying that uh, you know that point a decade ago was uh, the the one point uh, that low point when he thought he would walk away from from Formula One. Um, he said, "quote Very simply, at the time we had a power unit which wasn't performing, which happens, of course, and there didn't seem to be a huge desire from the manufacturer at the very top level, not from the guys in the factory, but from the very top level to put investment in to turn that around." So then you're in a bit of a depressing position where, as we all know, to win championships, you've got to have three key driver uh, factors of driver, chassis, and engine. And if one of those is weak, you don't win, end quote. And that is so, so true. And what have we seen over the past uh, number of years that uh, now that Red Bull has uh, been back at the top of uh, Formula One, they have those uh, three key factors. they got a great driver, Max Verstappen. They've had a uh, fantastic car, a very, very solid chassis. And that uh, Honda engine has been reliable. It's had plenty of power. And uh, that's why they've been so incredibly dominant over the last uh, several years. And, uh, you know, if, if you're not a fan of, uh, of Red Bull, then uh, you might be worried that uh, it's going to be more of the same. Whereas if you are a fan of Red Bull, you're probably hoping and expecting more of the same this year. And certainly unless uh, one of the, uh, the, the other rival teams in McLaren, Ferrari or Mercedes, for example, are able to really step it up and, and close that gap. It's really hard to bet against Max. It's really hard to bet against Honda. And absolutely, it's very difficult, uh, if not impractical or illogical, to, to bet against Red Bull winning the championship or championships again in 2024, but only time will tell. Another quick one here, not going to spend uh, too much time on this one. Uh, this is uh, one of these interesting ones that uh, that Hammy always picks up on. Uh, but uh, the split turbo engine layout is to be outlawed in the 2026 engine rules. Uh, I wish I could do this a little bit more justice, but I'm looking at a very, very nice uh, you know, schematic drawing here of a Formula One power unit where you see the, uh, the, the compressor in a split turbo, the interconnecting shaft, and the, the split turbo a turbine, and then what the conventional turbo looks like and uh, how that all might uh, work out. Um, the, the quote on here is that the turbine and compressor will have a reduced maximum distance, which will lead to the end of the split turbo layout in the 2026 engine rule. So as those uh, continue to formulate, so I'm sure we will have a uh, update at some point in the future. So I want to jump on over now to an article on the race.com from uh, Ed Straw. And this is a wonderful, uh, uh, pardon me, I, I've got another another article here from uh, Ed Straw. Uh, this one is actually from Mark Hughes, and this is entitled Inside McLaren's Miracle Leap and What It Means for 2024. Um, I highly recommend that uh, you head on over to the race.com and check out this, uh, this article and read it all word for word uh, yourself because um, Mark Hughes does a fantastic job really uh, going over um, you know, um, uh, McLaren's 2023 season, breaking it down, explaining what exactly happened. Some fantastic, insightful quotes from uh, Andrea Stella, the uh, the team principal at uh, McLaren, and uh, really does. Uh, it's a long form uh, article, very, very detailed, very, very informative. 
absolutely go and check that out. But it, it's I'll try and touch on some of the uh, you know the key points here in the the next couple of minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, had Mercedes, he, he opens it brilliantly. It says had Mercedes and Ferrari not got their concepts wrongs, uh, McLaren season would likely have looked less eye catching than it did. And McLaren, let's not forget, started 2023 very, very uh, poorly. They, uh, they had a concept uh, that was obsolete uh, as soon as we got to the start of the season and they based their whole update approach on, on fixing that and getting away from that concept uh, that was, uh, that was out of date and uh, obsolete. And, uh, they, they wanted to do so as quickly as possible. And it, it take, it took a while the, for them to do that. There was a couple of, you know, there was a number of updates that came and the, you know, what uh, Hughes uh, calls uh, the critical upgrade. The second part of that came in Austria at the beginning of uh, July, 2023. And that was uh, the, the point in the season when, uh, you know, things really dramatically improved uh, for, for, for McLaren. So they had uh, a nine race sequence between Austria in July and Qatar in October. So the McLaren MCL 60 was average, on average, the second fastest car in Formula One behind the the the, the Red Bull, uh, and as Hughes points out, that uh, occasionally they were a threat to Red Bull in qualifying, and they they just couldn't quite uh, manage to do that in the race itself. So they had a, a whole bunch of uh, podiums. Piastri won the uh, the sprint race in Qatar, and uh, that was enough for them to uh, finish a very very solid fourth place in the constructors' uh, championship. And had they been strong the entire season, who knows where they could have uh, ended up but they uh they were a fun team to talk about uh you know once it, it looked like things were really turning around i know that uh mark and i we, we talked about it uh, quite a bit but there were a couple of uh, interesting things that that uh, that that happened so uh, james key who had joined from i believe it was toro Rosso a number of years ago now uh became mclaren's uh technical director was uh you know part of company with the team you know at the, the time when they're struggling even to make it out of q1 uh that was one of the first uh you know things that was done by andrea stella after being promoted to team principal to replace Andrea Seidel, who left uh, before the beginning of last season to take over the uh, Audi Formula One project at uh, Sauber, Alfa Romeo, F1, Audi, kind of in the background. Anyways, uh, you know, Stella had done a, a great job, but I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, raised eyebrows and criticism when, uh, you know, they, they started the season so, so quickly, but he was uh, previously the, the, the performance uh, director and he felt that the structure of the technical department over at uh, McLaren placed too much uh, managerial load on some of the design uh, talent. And uh, that was uh, specifically the aerodynamics chief, uh, Peter uh, Proma, uh, Prodromu. And Stella encouraged uh, Prodromu uh, to uh, devote more of his time to creating, drawing, uh, you know, new concepts uh, for, for aero performance. Uh, Stella was also able to recruit uh, David Sanchez away from uh, Ferrari and Rob Marshall away from Red Bull to strengthen their technical leave. But uh, they're, you know, as we, we talk about in Formula One, there's always seems to be uh, what they call like a gardening leave when uh, when one of these uh, you know very key PO people uh, move away from one team to another one and uh, you know there's all these NDAs and things like that and there always seems to be what they call gardening leave when these uh, folks tend to sit home for for months and sometimes even uh, you know a year or more before uh, you know the uh, all the clauses and all the legal you know shenanigans let's call, <laughs> call them that are finally satisfied they can uh, finally move on to their 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 new team but 
at least uh, last year that uh, most of the season, if not all the season, that uh, Andrea Stella was also, uh, in, in addition to being the team principal, was also the technical manager at uh, at McLaren. So there was a you know there there was a chan- you know a realization on the behalf of Andrea Stella to change the entire architecture of the car around the floor side pod area before he started making these changes to the personnel and uh, as Stella explained to the race.com quote the original program was what became the car launch which ran in the first 3 races but looking at the geometry of the car the floor especially just from the observation it did not seem to represent the new th- thinking on aero concepts which uh, we were already seeing on the top cars of 2022 so we began to look at the other concepts but they were not progressing very fast in the tunnel cfd the aerodynamic tracker was just not progressing in a way that uh, you know by experience what was competitive the slope was too gentle end quote so with um, you know the, with a newer what is termed as a more red bull like concept not matching the performance in the original uh, simulation they decided to launch uh, you know new and original work to try and uh, you know bring their concept uh, up to date and once they started uh, you know putting the updates on the car there were two key uh, upgrades that uh, that when combined together really were a game changer and that was the new floor that went on the car in Baku and then the new side pods that went on the car in Austria and that really uh, transformed the MCL 60 to a back of the car second half of the pack kind of car to a real legit uh, contender so um, Stella went to, to discuss this saying quote we needed to unlock the potential from a flow physics point of view to get the concept working in the first place then the technical point of view to get it designed and built in the second place even the technical knowledge requires the people elements you may have seen the technical people who may have been very strong technically or horrible to work with and normally this does not lead to sustained success you can be illuminated in terms of technical knowledge but if you don't get the hundred people in the aero department to follow you understand your vision to believe in it it's always a bit of a threat when you introduce a new aero concept it's not like the day uh, after you switch it on and it works the day after is hmm I don't know it's promising but there are many downsides and by the way the car is now slower than it was yesterday so that is where you need to buy the trust of your people to buy it because of the validity of the technical concepts but because you have to kind of activate the human elements which create a team then we were around in December of 2022 we realized the geometry was what it was while with uh, for a few weeks we observed the tracker on the new concept was not going very steep and there we felt there was potential but how do we unlock it end quote so, you know, I'm going to leave it there, but, uh, you know, this this article goes on and on and on, uh, but certainly a really, really good, interesting read from uh, from Mark Hughes at therace.com talking about uh, Andrea Stella and talking in detail about uh, the ups and downs of uh, McLaren's 2023 season and what uh, they, they feel they can do for, for, for 2024. I guess the, the, the real big question is, uh, you know, what are everybody else going to going to do for 2024 uh but you know that that's just it right you know andrea stella you know i have to i have to give him a lot of credit i was i didn't know what to expect when he got the the team principal of mclaren uh last year in the uh in the wake of andrea seidel moving on to the the audi formula one uh, project um he says that uh you know yeah it's 
I really hope that they can they they can do these you know keep on going because you know they they talk about like one of the things that um, that was important for them was uh, being able to get away from the uh, the what what uh, Andrea Stella said was the limitations of the Toyota wind tunnel in Cologne Germany which is uh, you know not anywhere being to uh, cutting edge uh, technology. And some of the progress that that they'd seen would have to wait until McLaren's own wind tunnel was up and running, which it finally is. So even though that's a you know a, a big boost for them, uh, Andrea Stella doesn't actually see that as like the big uh, difference. He had to say, "quote If you don't get the right concept to start with, you're almost independent of the tunnel. You can test there as much as you want, but it's only when you get the foundations right that the accuracy of the development tools, such as the tunnel, starts to give you some premiums." But these are intro- incremental gains. The major changes where we are, are able to make uh, from launch to Austria and Singapore was more to do with things that you don't need a wind tunnel for. The tunnel tell, doesn't tell you what to do. They're as good as the quality of things that you put in. You have to risk the right. You have to ask. Pardon me. The right questions. End quote. So uh, Andrea Stella, like his uh, ideas and his visions extend beyond uh, simulation tools, and that is going to really, I think, to, you know, determine what uh, you know the limits or the sustainability of McLaren's form is going to be, because uh, you know what they did last year was uh, much more than just uh, changing uh, part of the car. Um, and uh, Andrea Stella was uh, quite straightforward, saying that he had to work on the leadership model, create uh, you know help uh, the the leadership of the team put them in a position to help them uh you know execute and do the work that was uh, required and get their 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 people to buy into that uh, into that vision and then uh you know he sees that uh you know Andrea Seidel recognizes that uh you know there's an opportunity within the team and that uh, he can't uh, sit back and just expect it to to you know take care of itself so there's going to be a lot a uh, lot more to do anyways definitely go and check that out. Anyway, it's going to take another quick break. Come back at a couple more quick stories. I want to talk about? Do that in just a moment. So don't go away. We will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Last couple of stories for this show, last couple of stories for 2023, and then we're going to shut it down and start with a brand new year in just a couple of days for now. And as I mentioned off the top of the show, not that long until we start winter testing, not too long until we actually start the new season just a couple of months uh, down the road from here. So this was an interesting one. This uh, comes from uh, Matt Q over motorsport.com. The revelation that Mercedes made Aston Martin use different doors when sharing their wind tunnels. So 
This is, uh, you know, a really kind of an interesting one. And this was done to ensure confidentiality while both of the teams were using the same wind tunnel facility. So this uh, inter-team collaboration became a bit of an issue towards the end of the season and some of the other rivals in Formula One were worried about uh, the close working relationships uh, between say Red Bull and Alpha Tauri but then also you know when it came to like Aston Martin um, you know using the the, the Mercedes um, you know wind tunnel because you know they've been upgrading building new facility at, uh, at Silverstone including a wind tunnel which is um, they, they can finally completed the construction of that they were using a Mercedes facility and said Instead, pardon me, and Aston Martin's performance director, Tom McCullough, noted that even, uh, you know, access into the building was uh, was made separate uh, through, uh, you know, going through different doors. And uh, this was uh, done, as he said, quote, the FIA are pretty strict and do a lot of inspections and all that stuff. Dominic Harlow, the head of the F1 technical audit, comes and visits uh, the teams. Uh, but uh, for us with Mercedes, it is absolutely shut down to one, open to the other, different access doors, different people running the sessions. So I think from a confidentiality point of view, obviously the relationships we have with Mercedes is very robust from that side. The FIA, that's their job to police all of that. Obviously, the regulations have changed over the years. The, the way they are at the moment, maybe it's a pair of teams. They haven't exploited that as much as the regulations allow. The FIA look at everything. You've got to be fully transparent when the FIA come in and inspect. They do a lot of inspections. I'm sure they'll be all over AlphaTauri Red Bull Dynamic because I'm sure other people are looking at it. On the outside, it looks as though AlphaTauri have done their own aero design, development philosophy. There's a lot of convergence happening anyways. Maybe they're just going for the buy everything you can do within the regulations and develop along a philosophy. They're using the same wind tunnel. They'll probably be using the same CFD stuff. There's a chance before that, if it looks similar, similar they can start working with it and make it more competitive, end quote. So there you go. Um, so now I'm going to go back to uh, the race.com. This was the other article that uh, Hammy and I pulled out from, from Ed Straw. <laughs> and, and I, it's too bad that Mark actually isn't here to talk about this one because it's a, a bit of an interesting one. And it's uh, his pet peeve, one of his pet peeves. You know, the the, the first one was just the, uh, I know he would have gone a little bit kind of bananas in the previous one, just talking about Alpha Tauri and, uh, and Red Bull and the whole you know, like a main team and the, you know, the, the, the junior team or the B team or the sister team, whatever you want to call it, you know, Hammy always gets, uh, you know, really worked up about that and doesn't like that, uh, that arrangement that, 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 that Alpha Tauri and Red Bull have. But, uh, the other one, uh, that this, uh, this is the one I was talking about, uh, from Ed Straw over the race.com entitled Gene Haas risks wasting a billion dollar chance for his F1 team. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot and, you know, Hammy gets very passionate about Haas and, their lack of uh, investment in the team. And that that's uh, basically what, uh, you know, Ed's talking about in this article. It starts out saying, quote, there's never been a better time to own a Formula One team, but as the good times roll in, Haas is in danger of missing out thanks to underinvestment that risks making it forever the poor relation on the grid. <laughs> and I think that is a very good uh, observation and, uh, you know, very nicely, uh, you, know, uh, you know, summarized in only, uh, what was that, like one sentence? I don't think it's two sentences, but uh, there, there you go. Um, you know, uh, you know, Ed goes on to talk about uh, saying that, you know, it's time for Gene Haas, the owner of Haas F1, to uh, maximizing the allowed investment in the team or to get out to, to sell and sell to somebody who actually will invest in the team. Um, there are other ways that uh, you can sell a minority stake in the team, which uh, we saw with Alpine last year. They sold nearly a, a quarter of their Formula One team to an investment group, which uh, retains control. 
And uh, if you look at uh, other uh, teams up and down the grid, they've uh, done uh, done things like that as well. So th- this is interesting too because um, you know we- we've been seeing the the values of Formula One teams really expand and grow in a very short amount of time. Ha- or pardon me, Forbes estimated uh, the value of Haas earlier this year at seven hundred and eighty million dollars, and there is apparently no shortage of uh, investors that are looking for an opportunity to buy into a team or even buy them outright. And uh, there, there's no, uh, you know, you know, straw um, speculates that uh, there's no reason why the, uh, the, the value of, um, you know, $780 million, pardon me, could actually uh, be realized uh, by, by Hass if he decided to, sh- uh, you know, sell the team uh, outright, um, you know, and and that's just the thing, you know. Like for you know, that could even be a, a floor. You know that uh, that price could be even uh, even more. So, you know, there you know, Ed goes on to talk on a couple of a uh, you know a very interesting points here that you know Haas were kind of a you know fairly successful when they started out, but now if you look at the um, the conditions in Formula One, you have the cost cap that set it at uh, you know one hundred thirty five million dollars per season. The, the more equitable distribution of uh, Formula One's revenue shared by all the teams, meaning that really means that the the economic situation in Formula One had better now than they have been in decades, perhaps uh, even uh, even ever, like ever. So I mean, you know, as um, you know, it goes on in the article. He says that is basically a perfect condition uh, for uh, for Haas. So. Yeah, when they joined the, the the grid eight years ago in 2016, spending there was no limit to spending. You could spend whatever you wanted, and it didn't. You know there was there was no limit to it. And even if you had a huge investment, um, regardless where that money came from, it still might just be a little drop in the bucket uh, compared to what some of the other teams uh, were were spending. So you could pour in hundreds of millions of dollars into your team and uh, see very little or perhaps no gain at all uh, in, in terms of competitiveness uh, compared to other teams, even though you might have been uh, improving. And then even at that point, uh, Haas was even you know pondering in public whether it was even worth you know, continuing. And, uh, that was before the, the COVID pandemic hit and then, you know, things changed around. So it was interesting because you, they were asked that is they managed to make it through COVID. And that was, uh, you know, basically thanks to team principal Gunther Steiner and his, his way of minimizing investment on in in the car, uh, and well, the investment on the on on track performance of the car at the the rest of 2020 and also 2021, focusing more on 2022, and they also brought on uh, drivers in uh, you know who brought money with them and Nikita Mazepin and his Urukali money that was uh, basically a has uh, survived, and then we moved into a new Concord agreement and. Uh, we were in in a whole new world, basically, when it came to the uh, the the financial, uh, you know, regulations and environment for Formula One. But now in this new world, like the the rivals, the other teams around Haas are spending and they're leaving them uh, behind. So Alpha Tauri is upgrading their facilities. They've moved some of their uh, operations to uh, Red Bull's uh, main facility in Milton Keynes. Sauber is uh, definitely a much uh, better uh, position now because they're getting all that money for, for from Audi and they'll become the Audi works team in 2026. 
Williams is uh, getting slowly and surely better. Uh, they got a good driver in Alexander Albon, and they've been getting, you know, a, a very, you know, increase, you know, gradual and increased budget from uh, and spending, and sustained spending from Derelton Capital, who took over uh, uh, from the uh, from the Williams family several years ago now. And uh, it's interesting. The next uh, section in the story is uh, entitled, Does the Haas Team Deserve Extra Funding? And then uh, Straw leads it off by uh, with some quotes from Gunther Steiner. Uh, the first one says, quote, we just need to make it up. We found more partners. We announced Play and Go in Las Vegas. They are big partners and they help make up the losses. But in the end, we uh, we need to see where we are finding the additional financing, end quote. Uh, I look back in the old days when people said money makes you the best team. It didn't because uh, some people spent a lot of money and didn't win anything. So you need to be careful. It needs not to be expenditure, but investment. That's the key word here. What do you invest to get better? It's not that uh, you get a return tomorrow. That takes time. A lot of people speak out about investment and it's a lot of propaganda. And it's about whether the investment works out, end quote. So, you know, Straw goes on to speculate uh, whether or not, uh, you know, Haas squandered the potential that they had for for last uh, season, uh, in which the car was actually pretty pacey, pretty quick, just over the course of a single lap, but really destroyed its tires in actual real-life race stints. And uh, because of that, uh, points were far and um, a few between. Um Steiner attributes that uh, with the you know to the following quote saying quote uh, we got hit pretty badly with not making progress in development we put in all the effort uh, there was no limitation on effort we and we had the budget to do upgrades everybody thinks we don't do upgrades because we don't have the money uh, but we didn't find any performance that was the biggest thing and the other thing was that when we realized it was a little bit late and we should have caught that earlier we just need to get better in the wind tunnel otherwise the team is not too bad it could always be better but it's just that we didn't find any Anything and quote, um, you know, we can keep on going again. This is a long form article that is, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, you know, it's very worthwhile in reading, but I'll just read some of the more uh, key quotes here. Steiner goes uh, on to uh, reveal some more insights, saying, quote, at the moment, the best way forward for us is to keep the same business model, because if you change it, you need to do it slowly. The difficulty that we have is if we try to take on more work. It wouldn't go well because you normally take a step back before you go uh, too forward if you completely change. In the short term, we stay with the same business model. There are pros and cons to this model. For example, we don't have 60% wind tunnel and investing $50 million to build a wind tunnel in 2023 is a difficult task because wind tunnels will be around, but not forever. And Gene already has a wind tunnel, wind shear, but that's 100% one and asking him to buy another wind tunnel is a stiff demand. The Ferrari wind tunnel is uh, good, so we have a no quantity and why change that? It's more important for us to look over the parts that we make, the arrow, the problems, not the business model. We need to exploit the potential of the business model we have at the moment, which we are not last uh, uh, because we are not last in the championship. Uh, there's more to it than that. Can you win a world championship with our business model? I don't think so, but could you be fifth? Yes, because we did it before, end quote. So I, th I think that's kind of interesting right there that, uh, you know, the end of the quotes where, you know, basically saying, yeah, we're we're not going to be a world champion the way that we do things, but uh, we can absolutely be fifth in the world championship. So I don't know, you know, it, it just kind of seems like a, an interesting uh, admission, kind of almost like the uh, saying the the quiet part out loud that, uh, you know, it's it's almost that like they, they seem to content to be in Formula One and maybe kind of, uh, you know, 
pick up what, what they can get, de- you know, can get, but I suppose maybe it is a little bit more reassuring to hear somebody just be honest rather than just, uh, you know, making a lot of, you know, obviously untrue, well, maybe not untrue, but you know, lofty statements that are unlikely to ever occur and say, oh yeah, well, we're here to win races and championships when that clearly isn't there uh, for them in their future. Anyways, worth checking out that it's uh, Ed Straw's uh, article on the race.com about uh, Haas and uh, their future and what they've uh, done in Formula One. Anyways, one final quick article here. Uh, this one is entitled, uh, this is uh, from uh, Josh Sutil over the race.com as well. Uh, McLaren Formula One Jr. apologized for liking anti-stroll ableist tweets. And uh, this is a story with uh, McLaren Formula One Jr. Bianca Bustamante, who uh, apologized for liking a tweet uh, that uh, targeted Aston Martin driver Lance Stroll on X. Um, and uh, so the the post in question was uh, responding to a TikTok video that called F1 uh, Academy driver Bustamante overrated, and then it uh, featured a screenshot of Bustamante with uh, with uh, the the words overrated underneath and a caption that uh, made an offensive mark against uh, Lance Stroll. Uh, there was a, a bit of a backlash on mo- uh, social media when Bustamante had, or when it was discovered that um, uh, Bustamante had liked the the the, the tweet, and then the post was uh, then taken down uh, a few hours later. And Bustamante then uh, issued her own apology on X saying, quote, I truly deeply apologize. I know uh, two mistakes having liked an inappropriate tweet. I can't believe uh, all the people whom I've hurt. I was scrolly and accidentally liked the tweet. Once I discovered that later on, I immediately unliked it. As someone who grew up with my only brother having autism, I completely understand the challenges faced by anyone with autism. I would never in a million years support ableism at any level, let alone support an ableist tweet against a fellow driver. I take the topic of autism very seriously and very personal to Lance Stroll and anyone that I have offended. I sincerely apologize as these are types of comments is something that I do not support. I hope the racing community understands this is 100% an accident. My sincerest apologies for this big mistake and quotes and then um Bustamante then went on to share a video of her uh, brother saying quote Israeli I share so much about my personal life but if there's one thing that has kept me going it was my brother and I'm truly sorry to the whole autism community anyways go and check that out on uh on the race.com as well anyways I'm going to wrap it up uh, right there um hopefully finally Mark and I will get back uh, together and do the show again uh, next week again I uh, want to thank you one and all for for listening to the show again this week and for your continued support of uh, this podcast and uh looking forward to hopefully a more exciting season world championship in uh, 2024 time will tell but uh, certainly mark and i will uh, be bringing you our thoughts and reactions all season long and uh, we will not be waiting of course until the start of winter testing and car releases and all of that coming up in february we will be back again sometime the middle of next week to to do it all over again and until then again a very happy new year for myself and uh, mark hamilton all the best for 2024 stay safe have a great new year and we'll talk to you again soon bye for now